January 
certain people. But that, nevertheless, that's one thing we, we, we just can't uh, stop for. We just cannot stop for that. Uh, I, I would like to salute a man who has a fantastic hobby, for those of you that are celebrating National Hobby Week out there. Now, they, they have a lot of ways that they suggest, before I get into that, uh, how to celebrate National Hobby Week. Yes, uh, they say, one, one this week, indulge more than you usually do in your hobby. Now, of course, this could be dangerous, because uh, 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 some people I know have some wild hobbies. For example, I have a friend who, who, is, a, uh, who is a collector of rare wines, and uh, he makes it his uh, point to, to drink uh, one bottle of good wine a week. Now, if you start encouraging this son of a gun, and uh, say, well, come on, let's let's really do it this week. Next thing you know, that guy's going to be staggering up and down the Bowery and, you know, cadging quarters. And, and uh, you know what happens to people, right? But uh, nevertheless, uh, they say that you should take your hobby out and uh, indulge in it a little more uh, this week. And now uh, here we would like to salute, if I may, uh, salute. Uh, let's see, yes, uh, we don't have any salute music up there. Yes, I'll tell you, give me, give me salute music. You'll find it uh, on the... Uh, uh, on the LP marked The Conquerors. The Conquerors. But uh, speaking of uh, hobbies, we would uh, get, bring, uh, bring on my salute to the hobby world, please. Uh, actually, uh, uh, this music has the double. Uh, we use this music generally to salute mankind. Climb up the ladder of progress as he moves ever upward and higher and higher away from the barbaric state that he originally found himself in. You know, when he was swimming around in a mud puddle in the antediluvian lakes and all that. It's kind of great now to live in civilized times and know that you're one of the civilized human beings. The end product of millions of years of environment and all that stuff that went into evolution. You know, all those things. You're standing there on the edge of your linoleum on your tippy toes, the product of millions of years of progress of our species. Shows you how slow progress is, right, Brad? <laughs> you think you could bat the same league with Alexander the Great, huh? Oh, don't be so, so fast to say that. He was a good man with a saber. And he could ride like hell, I say. I'll award Brad Fidgey with Bronze Oakley Pond. Anybody out there, if you think you know anything about ancient history, can you give me the name of Alexander's favorite horse? Oh, yes. He had a horse that was famous throughout the, the ancient world. What was the name of that horse? I'd love to have seen him running in the forest at Belmont. Buttermilk? That's close. Buttermilk, yes, that's very nice. <laughs> close enough. That's close enough for a Princeton man. I should have known that I should have hired a Yale man. All right, now reset that in there, please. We'll need that again. Uh, I was going to salute uh, the hobby of the week, and uh, I would like to salute him today. Here is his name. His name is... Uh, uh, Everett Williams, a dull name, uh, but nevertheless, maybe because he has such a dull name, he has uh, taken up a fascinating hobby. Everett Williams. He is the director of the Florida Bureau of Vital Statistics. 
And, well, now, you know, that that means that he's got a lot of uh, lists at his command, really, vital statistics. I wonder what goes under a vital statistic. I bet there's a lot of statistics they don't keep that are really a hell of a lot more vital than the ones they do. Seriously. They have a list, for example, of all the failures in the state by, by alphabet. And <laughs> there's very few A's, by the way. People in the first half of the alphabet rarely fail. It's the guys in the end that, you know, sink without a trace. Guys named Chester Zizmanski. They never make that. But that, nevertheless, Everett Williams, director of the Florida Bureau of Vital Statistics, lists as his hobby the collection of unusual names. And he has a list there, see? And you want to hear some of his names? 34 years he's been collecting names. And he's got some goodies, and we'd like to salute him here. How about this for a name? And this is actually a name from the vital statistic role of the state of Florida. Tootsie Roll. First name Tootsie, second name Roll. <laughs> Tootsie Roll. How about Curly Bush? Eh, it's not so good, right? But how about this one? Emancipation Proclamation Cogsell. Okay, that 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 well, that was a goodie. That one caught the fat part of the bat, didn't it? How about this one? Candy box. <laughs> And uh, I kind of like this one. End of the line, Johnson. That was, of course, before the pill. End of the line, Johnson. That's a good name. How about this one? Cherry Daiquiri. And it's spelled right. D-A-C-Q-U-I-R-I. You know what a daiquiri is? Cherry Daiquiri. Here's a good one. Strange Odor Andrews. Hmm. Well, it probably was very descriptive, uh, especially since he was given the name probably at the age of two days. Uh, strange. <laughs> How about the cigar stubs? That's not bad. <laughs> you know, speaking of great names, I still think that one of the one of the secret great names of all time, probably one of the uh, one of the most unconscious uh, great names is our Secretary of Health and Agriculture. Agriculture. Secretary of Agriculture, rather. What is his name? What? That's right. You can't imagine a better name for a guy that's walking around the Secretary of Agriculture, Earl Butts. You know? Absolutely. That's a great name for a, for a Secretary of Agriculture, especially one that makes inane statements like he does all the time. Like, get used to paying $7 for a pound of peas. You know, that kind of stuff. He's saying goodies, laying them on us. Earl Butts. That's a great name. Uh, yeah, uh, merely because of what his job is. It's just a... Uh, there, there used to be a series of short stories about a guy who was named Butts. Did you ever hear of him? That's right. And he was a representative of the, of the Earthworm Tractor Company. Yeah, he was a traveling salesman that sold earthworm tractors. <laughs> All right, okay. All right, here's another one. How do you like this name? Starlight Cauliflower Shaw. Oh, that's a great one. Starlight Cauliflower Shaw. That's not bad. How about the... Here's a goodie. I think you kind of like this one. Pansy Flowers Greenwood. 
and here's the name, his first name, Mac, M-A-C. What do you think his last name is? Nope. Try again. Mac. His last name is Aroni. <laughs> Mac Aroni. That's a good one. I, I kind of like that. I like that kind of magic. That's a real magic name. How about this one? Uh, twin. He, he's collected some twin names. How about Pete and Repeat? These are actual names. <laughs> okay. Here's one. Here, here's a, Again, I must say twin. Uh, here's a twin. The first twin's name was D.C. That's right. The second twin's name is Fred. <laughs> I threw you there. No, actually, it's A.C. and D.C. That could be dangerous, though. That probably named before that uh, took on other connotations. How about, uh, <laughs> how about, uh, here's, here's a twin. How about uh, the first name is Early? Nope. Give you a clue. It's not late. How about Early and Curly? Hey, here's a great pair of names. Fantastic names. Uh, the last name, by the way, uh, if, you're, if you're curious, uh, the last name was uh, Smithson. Smithson. However, the first name is where it really makes it. Bigamy. One kid's name was Bigamy, and the other's name was Larceny. Bigamy and Larceny. <laughs> I suppose you'd have a nickname Biggs and Lars, you know. Larceny. Uh, here's one. Uh, here's an, here's the, the longest name. Of course, the longest name is not very, very interesting. He says, however, the most unusual name he ever encountered was that of uh, Five-Eighths Jameson. And it was written as a fraction rather than spelled out. Five-Eighths Jameson. That's an actual name that he found in the list there. And uh, I kind of like that name. In fact, I will tell you this, though. I knew of a guy who had a name. Now, this is an actual name. You won't believe this, but it's a true name that I ran into. And... Uh, and I met the guy, and it was really his name, and everybody, you know, laughed, and it turns out that it was his name, and it was on his Social Security card and everything. He didn't change it to that either. It was his name. You ready for this one? His last name was Ford. What do you think it was? What his first name was? What would you think? Ford. Well, I'll tell you. His first name was 43. It was 43 Ford. <laughs> and, and, and it was so funny, you know, and, and I said, to him, well, how come your name was 43 Ford? And he said, well, he said, that was the year I was born in. And, and I said, so what? I mean, uh, you know, everybody's born in a year. I don't know of a guy named, uh, you know, uh, 37 Smith, you know, just because he was born in 37. How come 43 40? So I don't know. Today, they said today, uh, the year I was born, and so they come in 43. I said, you realize, of course, there was, there was no 43 Ford. There was no 43 Ford. That was during World War II. They did not make a 43 Ford. He said, that's been one of the great disappointments of my life. I would like to have owned a 43 Ford. <laughs> he says that I hung on just two more years. There was a 45 Ford. Although it was late 45. Actually, it's a 46 Ford. Right, you know. And had very, very bad, uh, very bad kingpins. Bad kingpins, which reminds me, uh, speaking of bad kingpins, this is WOR New York. We've had bad kingpins running this place for years. 
Hey, I've known other people with great names. I'll give you uh, uh, an example of, of uh, Kugelbird names. I wonder why people lay such insane names on many kids that happen to be, uh, you know, a popular thing uh, going on, so they name them that. You know, like uh, Flower Child Brown. Yeah, yeah, I know people name like that, like uh, Blackstrap Molasses. You know, they're, they're food cuckoo, so they name, you know, something like that, you know, like uh, Unleavened Wheat Smith. Yeah, you know, it seems real at the time. <laughs> oh, sure, you know, uh, you know, uh, Natural Foods Brewbaker. Well, uh, you know, he may turn out to be a terrible drunk and hit the bottle and eat nothing but fake foods all his life. But uh, you, uh, I think people often rebel against their name, ultimately. Because uh, many a guy has a, has a name that really gives him problems all his life. Uh, you know, some cuckoo bird parent laid it on him before he had anything to do about it. And, uh, you know, there it is. Uh, in fact, there's a guy who invented an airplane. One, we'll give the, listen to this one. You know the names of those two kids, right? Two of them? Okay. You know the names? You know, King and Shanda? Sure. Right. I knew a girl in our neighborhood. It's an absolute fact. Uh, I knew a girl in our neighborhood when I was a kid uh, (laughs) whose name was Ima Jean Pearl Hogg. Ima Jean Pearl Hogg. And, of course, her name was actually I'm a Hog, which is what they called her at the Warren G. Harding School, too much guffawing. And uh, you know how kids, they guffaw a lot. Have you heard any good guffawing lately? You know, guffaw, guffaw, hearty, har, har. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I must say, the other night, though, when we were doing the show at Princeton, a lady actually in the crowd uh, gave, uh, gave uh, vent to, and let us all hear it, a classical sneeze. Did you hear that? She went kerchoo. Yes, actually went kerchoo. And I had to stop the show right at that point and give her a hand because because it's not very often that people hear a classical sneeze. You know, most sneezes I know just go pow! You know, they break windows and, and they knock over spittoons and stuff like that. Uh, but, but you don't hear many really classical sneezes like kerchoo. Well, how long has it been since you've heard a classical laugh? Tee-hee. I've never heard anybody go tee-hee, have you? I really haven't. Uh, you know, it's be, yeah, it'd be very interesting to meet somebody who actually goes tee-hee when they laugh. Uh, no, have you ever heard anybody go tee-hee? It's, that's about as rare as meeting a dog that goes bow-wow. I've never heard a dog go bow-wow. Listen, I knew an Airedale once that almost took my kneecap off that had the sound of an approaching concrete mixer. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, you'll learn to be a dog, either a dog lover or a dog hater early in your life. In fact, uh, I would say this, you learn to either hate or love dogs, but some people are born hating cats. Me for one. Me for one. I, I uh, One of the nicest news stories I heard in years was, uh, was a was an outfit out in uh, in Pennsylvania that says if you have a cat that, uh, you know, passes into the great beyond, they would be glad to make this cat into a doorstop for you. 
and uh, they'll do it at a reasonable rate. They make it into a doorstop, and more than that, it has a transistorized tape player in it. So when you open the door, the cat meows winningly. And I thought that was a heartwarming story, because that's what I think should happen to all cats. Have made in the doorstop. So long, baby. I knew that would turn her off. Why do you think I told that story, for God's sakes? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> oh, there's nothing I like better than to watch those uh, those uh, TV commercials where the cat comes out and won't eat. Good enough for it. Hell with it. And have you noticed that the, uh, I, 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 you take, take these dog food and cat food commercials, have you noticed that those dogs always eat and those cats always eat whenever they show them this stuff? Now, I'm sure that a lot of you have owned dogs or cats, and you you can see the fallacy right away in that commercial. And, I, uh, you know, like the other day, I'm talking to this friend of mine, Stanley. And uh, Stanley, I always see him with a chock full of nuts. He, he goes down there usually in the afternoon when his head is really starting to go to pieces. In his office he works, and he goes down to the chock down there to get a little reality in his life, you know. And uh, I walk in, and there's Stanley sitting there before his chocolate brownie, staring at it. I hate to see a guy moodily staring at a chocolate brownie. And he's looking at the brownie scene. And I said, what's the matter, Stan? I said, oh, I don't know what the hell's the matter. And I said, what do you mean? What's the matter, Stan? I don't know. Is it me? I said, is, is it you what? What? What do you mean? What's the matter? What's, what's the trouble, Stan? He said, I don't know. I'm watching the dog food commercials last night. It just suddenly hit me. My life is just going to hell. I said, how can you tell your life is going to hell by watching a dog food commercial? Would you please explain that to me, Stanley? Nothing works in my life. Nothing. I said, what do you mean, nothing? What do you mean, nothing works? Well, how do you tie it up with a dog food commercial? Well, I got this dog, you know. And, uh, they always come out with these dog food commercials about how they come out with beef, stroganoff flavored dog food for the picky dog. My dog wouldn't throw up over that stuff. He said, come on there, you know, with the liver flavored dog. Are you kidding? My dog won't eat none of that stuff. I said, well, what, what, what do you mean? What does he eat? So I'll tell you what he eats. Just let me explain something to you why my life is not working. Apparently, other people's dogs like beef strong enough flavored dog food. Says, but if they came out with a dog food that was flavored like, uh, say, $700 Persian rug flavor, my dog would love it. Or new shoe flavor. My dog ate two pair of floor shine shoes the other day, including the laces. But he will not eat Alpo. I said, what else does he eat? He says, well, okay. He says, if those guys that make Purina Dog Show would come out with, say, uh, new daybed flavored Purina Dog Show, my dog would go ape. He has eaten three daybeds. He just starts right at the end there and works his way through the mattress, winds up eating the feet, and uh, that's all he eats. <laughs> well, I said, Stanley, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't countenance this kind of talk. And he says, no, I don't countenance either. He says, is, is it just my life? I said, no, I'm not so sure it's just your life, Stanley, I think. He said, let me tell you another thing. He says, the other day I go in the office, right? 
I said, yes, you did go in the office, I presume, the other day. Some guys do that work in offices, occasionally go. And he says, yeah, I went in the office today. He says, and everybody's sitting there talking about John Boy. Who the hell is John Boy? I said, John Boy? Yeah, I don't know John Boy. I don't know who John Boy. John, John, John Boy? You mean you mean Kennedy's kid? He says, no, no, no. Some some fathead on television called John Boy. What, what the hell? Who's John Boy? And I said, well, I don't know who John Boy. He said, you mean you don't know either? I said, no. He says, for crying out loud, you're the first guy I ever met who didn't know who Cannon was either. I said, well, no, I happen to know who Cannon is. He said, all right, all right, smart guy, who is Cannon? I said, well, he's this big, fat slob. He's this private private eye that drives around in this Mark IV Lincoln. Keeps making phone calls from his car. And he said, oh, that, I thought that was a commercial. He said, I kept on and passed it. And this guy's always sitting in this Mark IV calling up somebody. He said, for God's sake, you mean that's a television show? I said, yeah, well, in between phone calls, he hits people. And he said, gee, I'll have to watch that. You mean he hits people? I said, yeah, he karate chops them all the time. He gets, he keeps getting these uh, wounds in the arm. They shoot him in the arm all the time, and by the end of the show, he's okay. Maybe five, ten minutes, he gets shot in the arm. He's all right. He said, oh, for crying out loud, I'll have to watch that. So, you know, see, see what happens? People begin to feel like they're drifting away from their own life. They don't know who they are. I met a guy the other day who did not know who John Ehrlichman was. And I said, how in the hell did he manage to do that? I said, I don't know. I said, don't you know who John Ehrlichman is? He said, let me guess. I said, okay, John Ehrlichman. Ehrlichman. Isn't he some scientist that invented the uh, cure for gonorrhea? I said, no, 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 no. That's, what the hell are you thinking of? So, uh, you know, well, no, really. I, I don't make the news, friends. I, I just only say it. Do you know that they found people? Now listen carefully to me now. Now come on, don't 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 get mad out there. It's not my fault. I mean, you know, we can't that that within the past six months there was a group of, of pollsters, you know, incidentally the you know, pollsters are trying to do everything these days. Uh the the pollster not only today reports on what uh, is happening out there, he often creates it. Uh <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's another problem we gotta face. You know, legislation by pollsters. But uh, nevertheless, the, the pollsters out uh, in, in uh, this was a, from a university, a very official poll, a sociological department went out. They sent a team out uh, just to pan out uh, out in the hills of Kentucky and Tennessee and Indiana and all the backwaters out there, see, and they just asked people questions. Do you know that they found a significant number of people who did not know who the current president was? Uh, of course, you don't believe it. And you know why you don't believe it? Because you live in an area where they do know who the president is. So it seems to you inconceivable that they wouldn't. But uh, they actually found people, and they found one guy, let me tell you this, they found one guy <laughs> who, when questioned, believed that FDR was still president. He'd heard of Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt. And, uh, and he, he said that that's who the president was. Well, they, they, they said, that, well, uh, you mean he's been in? He said, yep, he's been in all this time. And, I, and somebody said, well, how long do you think he's been? He's been in as far as I can remember all the time. And uh, that's all he knew about who the president was. Now, now if you think this is, uh, if this is uh, silly, let me tell you this. You learn this if you've ever done any casual 
uh, work in the media, let's say uh, on, uh, on television or radio. One of the very first jobs I ever had in the media, believe it or not, I used to do a television giveaway quiz show, believe it or not, I did. And uh, we, used to, we used to have a hell of a time because what we discovered, if you ask uh, you know, questions that have any normal degree of hardness, you know, little tough questions, like uh, what day is it? Uh, you, you'd wind up uh, never giving a prize away. <laughs> you know, very embarrassing. So we used to, uh, in this, in this uh, office where these guys were figuring out the questions, they had to, they had to really bend over backwards to, to look for questions. And, and it was very difficult. Like, I remember one specific question. You want to know one of the questions? Let me tell you this. We thought, well, now, we want to give away the prize today. See, we're sitting around, we had a prize that was growing, you know how... Certain quiz shows have prizes that grow, like every day they add another $200 or something to it. And now it was getting to the point where the prize, we hadn't given away the prize, it was like 1500 bucks, and, and uh, they wanted to give the prize away, you know, along with all the other uh, cockamamie uh, merchandise, you know, uh, uh, you know, a tinfoil oven and all kinds of stuff they were giving away, see, and a canoe that you could fold up and stick in your purse and all kinds of great stuff. So uh, they, <laughs> you kind of like that, wouldn't you? So... <laughs> gave away a thing very similar to that, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, one of the things we gave away was an outboard motor kit where you could make your own outboard motor. It's his new hobby. Well, that company went out of business shortly after one of them blew up. <laughs> Another guy got his going 17,000 RPM and couldn't turn it off. And he went halfway across the state of Tennessee with his motor on. Oh, there was no water around. <laughs> well... <laughs> Which uh, reminds me, you don't mind if I laugh at my own jokes. What the hell? Phyllis Diller does it, and she doesn't tell jokes. <coughs> Breck. All right, you want to hear the question? Okay. Our, our prize had gotten up to the point. This is where, and I was, at this point, I was just out of school. You know, and I, and I, had, a, I had an idea, like most of you have, that everybody walking around is, a, you know, there's a certain level of knowledge about life and things. And uh, it's hard to believe uh, that certain things which you take are for granted, for example, that you take for granted are simply not true. Now, it would be hard for you to conceive that you could find a guy walking around the streets, say, who never heard of France. You'd ask him, what's France? Uh, France? You said, what's France? What is France? Uh, uh, France, uh... Well, that's one of the things that uh, you get between, uh, between buns. You put the mustard on it. Yeah. No, that's a Frank. Hot dog, Frank, Frankfurter. What is France? France. Give you a clue. Uh, the... <laughs> give you a clue. Uh, Paris is in the France, right? <laughs> oh, France, uh, France, uh... Prince. Gee, I knew a guy named Frank once. Uh, well, I, that, you, you think I'm, I'm exaggerating, right? You think I am. Well, let me tell you what we did. Here it was. 1500 bucks. We were really getting desperate. We had to give the money away, see? And so somebody said, gee, that's a nice little old lady. That's a nice lady coming in there. And she, you know, she looked like a regular average lady carrying a shopping bag. She had blue hair and the rimless glasses. And she was going to be one of the first of the contestants 
So somebody says, let's give her a real easy question. We'll give away, she probably could use the 1500 bucks. So we'll give away the 1500 And uh, she'll get it, and everybody will love it, because she looks like uh, Mary Worth, you know, out of the comics. See, so at that point, here I am up on the stage. And I said, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, here we have a wonderful contestant. It's, uh, it's uh, what did you say your name was? It's uh, Mrs. Mary uh, Goberman. Mrs. Mary Goberman from Silverton, Ohio. And uh, you say that you're a housewife? Yes, I am. Well, that's very nice, Mrs. Goodman. And uh, I imagine you've uh, had a lot of interesting experiences in your uh, lifetime of uh, housewifing, haven't you? Yes, I've uh, done some very interesting things. Well, Mrs. Goodman, uh, do you read much? Uh, uh, during, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, making conversation. Uh, what is your favorite reading material? Oh, I read quite a lot. I enjoy reading. Well, that's very nice, Mrs. Goodman. And this question should be really right up your alley, then. All right, Mrs. Goodman. Here is our question of the day, and it is the jackpot question. Today, worth $1,500. Give me a little echo chamber in there. It is worth $1,500. You know, we had a little gimmick like that. But then at that point, behind us, these lights would go, and a meter would go around and point to $1,500, and I'd say, all right, let's hear it for $1,500, crowd. And the whole crowd would cheer, you see. And now Mrs. Gouverman is ready to answer our $1,500 jackpot question. Are you ready for the question? I said, all right, Mrs. Gouverman. We have a question that deals with World War II. Well, now, obviously, Mrs. Gouverman had remembered World War II. Mrs. Gouverman was, well, I'd say 65-year-old lady, intelligent-looking lady, so I wasn't asking her for something that she would obviously not uh, not even have had any experience with. So I said, all right, Mrs. Goberman. And incidentally, I had a card that had three alternate questions in case by some unbelievable thing she missed the first one. That I could ask her two other questions and that possibly she would get those. And at that point, she would win. We had, we had a question called our bonus question. Bonus was meaning this is a real dumber here we've got and uh since we've got a real dumber we'll ask her another one and then we had our double bonus question which translated means this is an unbelievable dumber and uh, we'll give her another shot at it see so i said and now here is the fifteen hundred dollar jackpot question are you ready to answer this question mrs goberman yes i certainly am ready and i said give a hand to mrs goberman crowd and the crowd cheered all right, here is our jackpot question. And at that point, we would go to echo chamber. Mrs. Goberman, here is the jackpot question. Can you give us the name of one of the countries that was an Axis power in World War II? An enemy power... And, and here is here the clue. Is the he had a little had black, black mustache. mustache. And, and his initials were A.H. All right, Mrs. Goberman, that is the jackpot question. Can you please tell us who that man was? Oh, well, uh, that's a very difficult question. I, uh, you say his initials were A.H. Well, uh, 
She didn't know what the hell a question was. So at that point, I went to question number two. All right. right. Mrs. Goldman will admit that was a difficult question. And because of the difficult quality of that question, we are now going to give you a chance for the jackpot question. What country is known as Down Under? It begins with an A... And the people who live in that country are known as Aussies. What country are we speaking about? That country also is known for its kangaroos. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Aussies. Uh, uh, Austria? Is it, is it Austria? I said, oh, my God. She doesn't know. Well, at that point, I decided to give her a final chance. All right, Mrs. Goberman, that was a difficult question. We'll admit, not many people have heard of Australia, uh, which is on the other side of the world, and naturally we would not hear much about it. Here is our double jackpot question. What company, what country is shaped like a boat? And within that country, there is a city called Rome. Rome. What country is shaped like a boat, and it has in it Rome? What country is that for fifteen hundred dollars? Oh yes, sir. Oh, I know that one, of course. I visited my my sister-in-law in Rome once. 